Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This hour is being brought to you by Lakeside Bank. Bank with power at Lakeside Bank. Lakeside Bank, it's about time. Ray, let's go. Yo, Holmes! Lawrence Holmes. Holmes runs it really well. Noon to two. Holmes doing what Holmes does on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Yo, Holmes! And 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station. James Feigen. Yes, James. James Feigen's got some branding on his laptop. Making sure everybody knows that he's joined the Athletic. Can never get too much exposure. On Twitter at JR Feigen. I can anticipate this question is probably way too early, but excellent. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. Asking the questions to get the answers you need. If you knew that Abreu was available to be the runner there, would you have gone to him instead of Hendrick? Yeah, if I'd known that, I didn't know that. Let's check the rule. I'm guessing you know the rules better. Now I know. James Feigen with Lawrence Holmes on 670 The Score. score, score, score. James joins me on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. I would encourage anyone who consumed what happened this weekend between Tim Anderson and Josh Donaldson to read the accounting that James did on The Athletic. I also would encourage everyone to get a subscription to The Athletic. It's pretty great. I was telling my students, like they actually have like a student discount. I was trying to tell my students last week, there's a lot of stuff that are student discounts. Like, use them EDU emails and get yourself a discount on some great sports journalism like The Athletic. And now James joins me here on The Score. James, what was it like to cover what happened between Tim Anderson and Josh Donaldson? Um, well, initially, since I wasn't in New York, it was a, uh, am I going to have to work on the day off type of feeling? But um, it was kind of surreal because, you know, I was listening to the initial um, comment reaction and I thought, you know, you know, after you get past the initial shock of like what uh, Tim said was said to him, I thought because, you know, I, as someone who's read everything about Tim as I could in the last several years, uh, I thought, like, I wonder if he's referencing that article from three years ago. And I thought, like, wait a minute, Josh Donaldson isn't consuming long-form sports journalism from three years ago. And then that winds up being what he, like, puts up as this defense uh, of why he said what he said. But um, and So that was, like, a surprising deep cut. But otherwise, it was a series of things that I feel like don't pass muster and shouldn't really be granted legitimacy, um, taking up a lot of uh, – a lot, a lot of airtime and a, a, a lot of uh, being allowed to be 
the framework from which a lot of discussion um, circled out. So I, you know, obviously that's disappointing, but also kind of par for the course. Yeah, I, I thought that the point that, that you raised in in the piece that you have on the athletic is. I, I think that it's interesting that he thinks that, uh, as you put it, he got it like that. You don't got it like that. And and you don't got it like that with the White Sox right now, and in and, and particular with Tim Anderson right now. Yeah, I mean, I think nowadays, you know, people who grew up in watching sports in the 90s or before that probably lament how much we don't have, like, rivalries and beasts part of, like, everyday um, you know, sports discourse. But if there's anybody that the White Sox are kind of documented in having a prolonged beef with, it's Josh Johnson. So for all the people to claim that he has some sort of inside joke or some sort of, uh, you know, back and friendly back and forth, is the guy who literally nearly started a brawl with them with that particular player a week ago to claim like he has some sort of uh, access to uh, make jokes about what was at the time a very personal interview that Tim Anderson gave. It's just like so ridiculous and so fraudulent at the point. like, can we stop discussing about this and talk about the real reasons he must have said this? Cause this doesn't, everybody who has spent the last 48 hours, in the White Sox clubhouse saying, you know, that's an absolutely ridiculous claim. It is. And, and when I look at the way that, the way that he has tried to manipulate, and he's been successful in, in a lot of cases, especially in New York, which I think is weird because it's not like he's an established Yankee. You know, like th- this is this is a guy that that came over in a trade, and some people will say that that, that it ended up being a great trade for the Twins because they were able to move money to then get Carlos Correa instead of having Josh Donaldson and his salary uh, on, on the Twins' payroll. I don't understand. Well, I do. I do understand why some of the caping is going on, but I don't understand why people are allowing themselves to to be flimflammed by Josh Donaldson and his BS excuses. It just shows like the limits of uh, sports fandom that we have to worry about um, how this black man from Alabama is going to be treated by the uh, so-called liberal denizens of New York who are whether or not they're going to repeat uh, ad nauseum the you know insult or the chiding that he got that he felt was uh, disrespectful that his manager his white manager went out and said was racist so it just kind of shows you that the loyalty that you know sports fandom will bring is willing to flip like social dynamics all the way upside down because people will pursue it that hard and it kind of makes me a little, it gives me a little pause about taking part in like this, you know, industry and constant economy of, of sports fandom. Yep, it it definitely can make you a little bit uneasy on the field. And we're talking with James Fegan of the Athletic, who covers the White Sox for the Athletic. Tim Anderson's having a great May, and and I know that that in Chicago we use the the Joe Madnism, you know, you go, we go, but it does seem to be that that as long as he's in the lineup and he's doing what he's doing, the White Sox will be able to at least stay at equilibrium. Yeah, and I think that's probably one of the big flashpoints of the season so far, or at least of recent, is that um, in the wake of him having you know two hamstring issues, or two IL placements of the hamstring last season, Tony is like trying to be very dutiful about this you know, rest maintenance or not having him not play double headers. And I think in a vacuum, it sounds you know very 
you know, prudent uh, of how you'd handle a star player that you want to not be wearing down or trying to form by the end of the year or, or coming off an IL say like he was last season. But in the immediate, it's like this with the way everybody's struggling and the way he's been hitting and the way he kind of props up the offense, it, it very much seems like, man, if we can't play him every day or if we can't have him in every stretch, this is a team that, you know, is, is at risk or was at risk of stretches the season of, you know, slipping down four or five games under 500. And you wonder, like, yeah, that's a weak division. Yeah, there's six playoff spots, but they're at a time in the season where until things really start getting going with other guys, you assume it will be, seem, things seem kind, of, seem kind of tenuous. And how much can they really afford to sit him at all if, if he's feeling good? I, I think you exactly uh, identify what role he's playing with the offense right now, but I, I think you have to hope that things like, you know, A.J. Pollock hitting a home run th- this weekend or the kind of the road trip he had in general – and uh, some of the contributions you saw right before he hit that final home run, showing that this offense has, has gotten to the point of not being, not creating any opportunities to now just struggling with runners in scoring positions, struggling to convert the opportunities that they are creating more of. Tim Anderson in May, slash line at 397, 454, 513, 11 runs scored, two home runs, 11 RBIs. And here's the crazy statistic five walks for Tim Anderson in, in the month of May. He usually hits his on-base percentage, and usually there aren't a ton of walks. Has that been an emphasis in, in what they want him to continue to develop as a hitter where he is drawing more walks? I'd say no. I think very much the approach is Tim's got to be Tim, and Tim is only going to be Tim if he's aggressive. You tell him, take pitches, like that's not where he's at. You know, Part of the Tim Anderson threat as a pitcher is that if you give him something that's in his hitting zone it's going to be hit you can't throw it away early in the count and get away with it you can't you know throw it on uh you know trying to get back in the count and he's just taking auto take on 3-0 that's kind of built in and that makes pitchers more cautious and that makes them you know maybe lay out more things on the hours half the plate so they're convinced they'll spray for a single rather than pull for a home run that's part of the approach you can't really change that too much keep them effective i think what you've seen these past couple weeks is a lot of the conscious attempts to just straight up pitch around him that come when you hit 360. I mean, the ideal thing for a lot of these aggressive hitters, you know, be it Eloy or Luis Robert or even Abreu when he's really rolling, is that they're not going to stop being aggressive, but they will get to the point of showing that they can cover the zone to the degree that pitchers will just straight up pitch around him to some degree or are going to be so cautious with it that, you know, I'll take a walk rather than a double in the gap type of mindset. So I think you've seen that, and some of that obviously is a function of the way the lineup behind him is struggling. But I don't think he's really coming off of what his uh, approach is. I just think he's been gotten so good at handling everything in the zone. I mean, his strikeout rate is less than half of what it was even a couple of years ago that you're just going to see guys just you know fall behind 2-0 and be like, I'm, I'm kind of done with this. You know, go ahead and we'll try to hold you on first. Do you think that, that from what we saw over the last few games that maybe there's an awakening going on with Jose Abreu? Yeah, uh, I saw him. You know, the, we kind of we talked to him in Kansas City, and I kind of made a comment about like, you know, you you had a lot of pitchers throwing you up and in, uh, you know, past season led to you getting hit a lot. Uh, is that still kind of something you're uh, you're dealing with? And he said, Yeah, because I'm not getting many hits. Like that's as Liam Hendricks described last season. The reason pitchers throw up in there is that that's supposed to be the hole in the swing. So I thought more than any kind of uh, the numbers he put up this past week 
him being able to fight off some of those for jam shot singles kind of to, to right center, that seemed to me like a, you know, a progress for him that he'll be able to protect himself from where he's vulnerable uh, a bit more and be able to you know, put himself in more situations to get pitches that he can really drive. So that seemed encouraging to me. I think A.J. Pollock has most of his extra base hits of this past season and the past week on that road trip. I think it's like five out of nine at this point. And obviously seeing him pull you know, uh, roll this Chapman's fastball in his hands out to the left, that, that seems like you know, the guy that you were, you were sold uh, when he was traded for, you know, coming along. So I, I think there are signs. Obviously, Lewis Roberts has been, you know, very good in the clutch over the past week. Um, they're hints of something there. They can't be this cold forever. When you talked with Ethan Katz, and we talked about it last week, you're saying, look, we're not going to a seven-man rotation. That being said, what are you going to do if Johnny Cueto is still really decent and Lance Lynn comes back? Because – you're now running out, strangely enough, with all of the injuries, you're running out of space in the rotation if guys are going to be good. I mean, in the immediate, you have a case like just last night, Michael Kopech, two extra days. You know, some of that was from the paternity leave, but obviously something designed to do. And you went from him showing his lowest velocity of the season the past Sunday to his best velocity of the season uh, just last night. So I, I think you're going to see more of that. Obviously, doing that with Cease as well. Uh, but yeah, at some point, you know, whenever you kind of map out the idea of having too many starting pitchers, you, you wind up sending somebody to the IL for something that pops up. But I think realistically, you, you, it might be somewhat of a, a hybrid six man at some point where you're seeing extra days for Cease or Kopech or whoever, uh, whoever they feel needs it, uh, stretch out a lot more. But also, I think when they signed Vince Velasquez, they mentioned the, you know, the, the functionality of him to move to a swingman role or, or be a guy who, who works multi-innings or maybe does a little bit more of what you thought Ronaldo Lopez uh, was going to do out of the bullpen before he kind of came more of a short guy over these past couple of months. And then, you know, at some point, I think Dallas Keuchel's got to, you know, show a lot more of what he did the previous two starts before this one because I think, yeah, they could reach the point where if they're healthy and they're entering, you know, the second half of the, of the schedule and they've got six healthy and functioning starters that, you know, somebody could be on the chopping block. But I, I, I'm a little hesitant to write him off based off, you know, how much they just are going to need innings and they can't really be sure that you're ever done with somebody. But, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a hierarchy in the rotation that you can clearly see. And I think if you're in the last slot of that, you have to worry about, are they going to carry you for the whole season? I'm seeing Reynaldo Lopez hit triple digits now on the gun. Is this the role that he can be his best at? Or do the White Sox think, he still might be a starter at some point. I th- I don't think it's this season, and I don't think it is a big move for it. I, I think you've seen, um, you know, the velocity jump up in such a way uh, in this role, and uh, maybe the stuff and the, the slider that's, you know, maybe struggled for consistency in the rotation of the past play up when you're, you know, sitting 99-100. They've seemed like they've been pushing them more and more towards short relief over the past you know, several months as this is borne out uh, more than anything in reverse. I, I think the last time I quizzed Tony about it, he still said like, you know, if need be, Ronaldo could be flexible, but we're, you know, we're talking about the rotation being overloaded as uh, not the, not the opposite. So I, I think if anything, the, the next couple of months is about establishing whether he's part of that really crucial, you know, high leverage, right. A handy relief mix rather than the opposite. From what you heard, is is Moncada okay? Like I know that he had that weird thing where like it looked like maybe he hurt his quad on Thursday, and then he was scratched from the the, the first game, and 
So are, are, do you think he's all right? Um, I mean, I, it seems like it's throwing him off rhythmically to some degree, uh, but it's not viewed as being like this thing that's a, you know, looming an IL stint uh, at, at this point. I think most, of, a lot of the cautious treatment of him has just been like, hey, we just got this guy uh, a, a month off as oblique, and hey, this is a guy who's had, uh, you know, hamstring issues in the past, and he's getting kind of the, you know, Tim Anderson, no double headers treatment, or at least he was until he played. Uh, both games, uh, you know, yesterday, more than you know, something's off, or we're 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 considering an IL stint. I I think it is going to be a day to day thing, and you know, he's a guy who you know picks up nicks here and there, kind of periodically through the season. But to his credit, last year he played through a lot of it, and I think that's largely a plan now. How important was the White Sox winning a series in New York? I mean. The you know statistical brain of mine is supposed to say like it's not you know it's it's a nice showing, it's a good measure of their ability, their pitching to hold up against the uh, you know top of the league, but it, it doesn't mean a whole ton in the long run. But yeah, I mean more than like how they've fallen back in the standings, um, which I think is ultimately in the recoverable territory. What you really haven't seen in the first quarter of the season is uh, this team looking like the elite contender that they wanted to be. That you didn't just want them to kind of trade water and win the division again. You wanted to see a step forward to believe that they're not heading towards some sort of uh, result like the ALDS last year, where another contending team showed you're not in our league uh, over four games. So to have them go into, you know, the belly of the beast and and really show out and really show that their pitching can hold up against them, um, especially with Kopech and Cueto, not even necessarily Gilito and Cease and and Lynn and some of your top guys, uh, I I think it probably said a lot. It's something that, you know, I think the fan base certainly needs to see at some point this year because it's been too long of seeing them kind of struggle with teams like the Royals and the Guardians. And like, is this the team that's really going to, you know, has another step forward to take in October? So I think it's probably crucial for, you know, calming us a bit down that, you know, maybe this team is a heavy hitter after all. James, as always, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to your coverage of the White Sox series against the Red Sox starting tomorrow night, sir. Thank you for your time. All right. Thanks for having me. That is James Fegan of The Athletic. As I said, get a subscription to The Athletic. And if you have a kid who's a student and they like baseball, they have, like, student discounts. Right, for real. Like, I was in my class last week, and I was trying to explain to the students, because, you know, they're, 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 I give my, my students credit. Like, they're hungry. And they, in a lot of ways, like, I always joke that I've now reached the point when it comes to some of this that I'm the old guy that knows stuff. And they're like, hey, old guy, you know stuff. Where can we get more information on things? Well, here, you can go here, here, here. Well, it costs money. Yeah, but you can get a student discount on some of this stuff, and you can get student discounts on tickets. And all. like every team like has a program. Like The Bulls have a program. The White Sox have a program. I'm pretty sure the Cubs do too. The Blackhawks. Like, all these teams have programs where you could go see stuff for 15 bucks and stuff like that. And then I look. I'm like, do the Sun-Times and the Tribune? I think they used to, but they don't anymore. But I know through my experience of being a student in Alabama, the New York Times has, I think it's a dollar a month for students. You got an EDU email, you're good to go. Got to take advantage because once you're out here in this real world, they're that, not give, nobody's Ray, giving discounts. Ray, this is what I'm trying to tell them. Take this advantage is, now. I, I've spent a whole lecture explaining how they need to they need to wring DePaul dry 
Like of every resource that they have because you're paying for it. And you're here, so all that stuff, like, take advantage of it. And when, when like, let's say, you know, my class goes to 440 or whatever. If it's 420 and I'm going to let them go, not 420, let's say 417. If it's 417 and I'm going to let them go, and I'm like, do you have any questions? And I'm like, I'm one of the resources that you can ring dry. Ask me all the questions that you want. So today... Here's what I'm doing for them. They don't know this yet, and they don't listen to this show because, you know, they're 20. But I, they were asking me about, like, books, which I think is great because they're 20, and they're asking about books. So I rounded up all of the sports books that I'm sent and given, and I'm just going to have a book fair. I'm going to dump them on the desk, and they can take whatever book they want. I hope they appreciate it, but I think they will. They want to know stuff. They just sometimes don't know where to look for stuff. And then they go, hey, old guy, where's the stuff? And I'm like, the stuff's over here, and sometimes it's over here, and sometimes you got to dig a little bit, but it's out there. They're really adorable. I really like them. Like, they're, I always get like this. Like, it's super emotional because commencement is coming and all that stuff. But it's just like some of the stuff seems so routine for us. And then you go, oh, yeah, you don't have a base of knowledge on some of this stuff. You're literally like, this is a radio. You know, <laughs> we used to have these. And now we don't. You're trying to explain. I was shocked, though, because I put up a picture of a reel to reel in one of the classes. And most of them were looking at me like I had three heads. But one of my students was like, oh, I know what that is because they're a film student. And while I was explaining to them, like, the editing process on reel-to-reels, they were like, why would you do that? It's all we had. All we had was a, a grease pin and a razor blade and some tape. That's why you all should be expert editors. But they're not because when you had to do it back then with the grease pen and the razor blade and the tape, you really had to listen. Now you just, oh, it's done. Man, that was a get-off-my-lawn moment. But I am looking forward to sharing the gift of knowledge with my students today with all the sports books that, every sports book that wasn't personally signed to me. I've put it in a big old bin and I'm bringing it to my students and I'm dumping them on the table. Take what you want. When we come back, it's a really good conversation on Donaldson, Tim Anderson, and some of the macro issues that are at play here. I will share that with you next here on The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. By the way, Joe Kelly is going to be in studio with Parkins and Spiegel today at 3 o'clock. That should be good. He's an entertaining dude. And you saw some of it yesterday where he gets the pick off of Aaron Hicks and he's like, what are you doing? Why are you all the way over there? Why would you? It was a That was a really dumb baseball play. You're the tying run and you've got a reliever on the ropes. You just allowed him to get out of it. Anyway. Yesterday on Hit and Run, I was tuning in because I was doing Sox pregame, and I like to check in and see what Speaks is doing baseball-wise. Maybe there's a nugget that I can use and and sometimes give credit. But, yeah, I usually always give credit uh, with, with stuff like that, see if there's something I can bring to the pregame. And I was happy to hear Speaks talking with Doug Glanville on this subject. Doug played for a decade in the major leagues. He's a broadcaster. On top of that, He's really one of the smartest people. Like, Ivy League educated, is a college professor, talks about a number of these issues inside of his class, and just a really, really smart guy. This is a portion, I I suggest you listen to the entire interview, but this is a portion of their conversation yesterday with Doug talking about what it was like for Tim Anderson, because he's been in some of those situations and really giving some perspective to Tim Anderson and Josh Donaldson's interactions. I'm enthusiastic about the opportunity. That is the chance to learn more from you know this experience and understand the many perspectives. And I think one way, like in my own experience, it goes is there's many times growing up and even later in life that 
I was always referred to as, you know, whatever, Eddie Murphy or whoever, some comedian, some black entertainer or star. And there was times it felt like it was to make me more palatable, right? There was a sense of a diminished ability for me to control my own name and to be in the space. And sure, there's times where, yeah, you happen to look like someone. That's, that's fine. That could be part of it. But I started to wonder after, you know, we're talking years, why I, I couldn't sort of be in my own name and why that, that was so important. And some of that made me think about, well, I guess if your association with a, a group of people and seeing them as sort of monolithic, whether intentional or not, that you see them in this sort of one framework, and a lot of which certainly had been negative around the black experience, then that's where this frustration could come from. Because I felt like, well, you know, why can't I be myself, so to speak? And look, any of these players probably in major leagues today as well have had experiences where they were either A, the only black player or the first black player, one of those, you know, so you talk about Jackie Robinson being a pioneer. Well, many players came after Jackie that were first in other environments. And there's Jackie Robinson's quote unquote under many new environments, whether executives or Supreme Court justices or whatever it is. So we're still having first in experiences. And what happens with those experiences is that you end up pioneering in environments that sometimes you don't exactly have the best experience. And I can give you a number of examples of that, but one that comes to mind is playing on the Team USA for New Jersey against Japan and hosting a Japanese players. And one of my teammates on my team wearing Team USA asked me, what is it about your people? And he was white and I was black, obviously. I'm black. And he asked me, what is it about your people that make you so inherently lazy? That was his direct question. <laughs> right? So, right. So now there's an opportunity there to, okay, obviously he hasn't had a lot of exposure. So let's talk about this. And even at 15, 16 years old, I still saw an opportunity. I, mean, I saw that he might not have tried to be completely nefarious, but it was just reflecting where he was coming from and his desire maybe to understand more. And so the thing about all right, calling someone Jackie, and even if all right, Tim Anderson, like self-proclaiming himself, Jackie Robinson is a little bit, from what I at least read, seemed sort of exaggerated. It seemed like the context of it was much more, you could read into more than just like, I'm Jackie the player. It's also Jackie the experience that I just described, being first in and being alone. Yes. I mean, I went to college at an Ivy League school mm -hmm. where my first month of practice inside our indoor gym in the fall, I had a teammate that was draped in the Confederate flag. And once again, I was the only, at the time, I was the only black player on the travel team. So here I am alone trying to explain and ask this guy, well, why are you wearing a Confederate flag at mm -hmm. practice? Mm -hmm. And he just said pride in the South. And so when you're alone and you're the only one who's feeling a certain way about something, it's very difficult to feel like you have allies. So yes, it's, it's more than just like calling someone Jackie Robinson. And once again, I don't know everything that's in Josh Donaldson's head. I'm just trying to help unpack why there could be more feeling behind right. what seems like what, you know, in some circles could be a compliment. That was Doug Glanville on with Spiegel yesterday on Hit and Run. The entire conversation is worth your time. Like, legit, go back and, and go through the pods and find it and listen to it. Doug has a more forgiving heart in this particular case than I do. And I don't know if that makes me a lesser person. It probably does. I think that there is room for those who want to be better 
and want to learn about someone else's experience, that there's the opportunity there to show those people grace. Josh Donaldson is not one of those people. He doesn't deserve your sympathy or grace. He's a bad guy. And there's multiple examples of it. This time it rises to the level of bigotry and racism, but it's clearly not that far of a leap for that type of person. I appreciate what Doug had to say about it because he was sharing his, his experiences. And what I wish is that whenever people of color, and in this particular case, black people, share their experiences with you, that you're not so quick to try and discount and discredit them. And that's what's, that's what's ended up happening over the last 48 hours. There's been people then trying to discredit. There are people that have, have weaponized something that Tim thinks is offensive, that his manager thinks is racist, and then they use that against him at Yankee Stadium. There are people on our sister station in New York that are doing a whole lot of water carrying and that about, you know, what about isms to try and defend Josh Donaldson, when it's not needed. Shout out to Brandon Tierney, though. Him and Tiki, I guess Brandon was supposed to have Paul O'Neill on, and I can only imagine what that conversation would have sounded like. But he told them that they couldn't talk about Donaldson and Tim Anderson, and and BT was like, well, we're not going to do the interview. So thanks a lot. Good luck with your cookbook. Every one of us has stories. Every one of us has faced like hardship that comes from outside. And that's even before we start talking about like the hardship that comes from inside. Every single one of us. But when people who have gone through things of this nature, like Doug told you stories and he went beyond that. Doug, Doug told the story about the police coming to his, his driveway when he was shoveling snow, asking him, if he was out here trying to make money in his own driveway. I've got stories. Layla's got stories. People of color, women, gay people, trans people, we've got stories. And I know that my my white cisgender males and females have got stories too. But in some of these situations, the goal is we would just like for you to listen to us on how some of this stuff makes us feel. And I know I'm globalizing. I know I don't speak for every person of color, and I definitely don't speak for the LGBTQIA community. I'd like to. I'd like to feel like I'm an ally in those situations. Look, I'll be super real with you. I work in an industry where... I'm a bit of a unicorn. I'm a black talk show host that wasn't a professional athlete. When I look around at my industry, when I, and sometimes when I look around my own station, I feel very alone 
in some of the things that I go through. Now, luckily, I feel like I have a lot of good allies. I I feel like I have people that I can talk to you about a number of these topics. And I appreciate them. Like, there's a reason Joe Ostrowski is on my show every week. I trust him more than anybody. And he's also really good. But knowing that people have your back can make navigating through all of these issues easier. The idea of fight through it, just let it go. You can do something with it. It's made easier when you know that you aren't alone. Now, Tim seems like the type that no matter what, he, he's going to be good. Like, he's built of strong, sturdy stuff. But I'm sure that there was some relief when not only are the guys out there protecting him literally on the field, where you have Abreu and Sheets being like, oh, bleep, we got to, Tim is about to go off. Like, let's, let's protect him, let's protect our team, and let's hold him back. And then on the field, you have Yasmani Grandal being like, yo, this will not stand. I said it on Twitter on Saturday, and I stand by it. That's what being an ally looks like. And as I said, I'm not sure Yasmani Grandal could very easily be at the nexus of the black diaspora and the Spanish diaspora, and he may have felt those comments personally. But if he's not, if, if, if his ancestry is Spanish and he was willing to stand up the way that he did for Tim, I applaud him because that's what more people need to do. More people need to call out folks that are trying to be slick. And that's what Josh Donaldson has been doing. He's out here trying to be slick. And some of y'all are allowing him to get, get away with it. And if I can speak for communities of color, trans people, gay people, all of us as a cluster are really tired of you running to the defense of people who have wronged us because you think the worst thing in the world is someone being labeled as racist or transphobic or homophobic. That that's the worst thing and that no one can come back from something like that. Most people in these situations don't bring that level of conversation to the forefront unless we mean it. And it would be nice if the people who say on Instagram posts or in comment sections or Twitter posts that we should all just get along. It would be nice if you would take our word for it. Because it's very easy for you to take the word of a bad guy like Josh Donaldson over someone that you know that you love and Tim Anderson. How weird is that? Shout out to Yasmani Grandal, because beyond what he did on the field, he also did this in front of the microphones after the game was over. This game went through a period in time where uh, a lot of those comments were made, and uh, I think we're uh, way past that. And it's, it's just unacceptable. So, um, 
I just thought it was a low blow. And, you know, I'm, I want to make sure I got my teammates back. There's no way that you, you're, you're allowed to uh, to say something like that. It's just, like I said, on a duel. Did he deny saying it? Oh, what do you think? I mean, you deny it too. I mean, it's all about a he, she. But, I mean, you can go ask him. I'm sure he's going to deny everything. And then maybe go on Twitter and tweet something out, just like he did with Giolito um, last year. But I guess he uh, he lives in his own world. So he just basically stepped in the box and you said? Oh, I didn't even, I don't, I don't think I'd let him step in the box. Oh, okay. Believe me, you don't, want me to tell, you don't want me to tell you guys what I told them, so. I, I couldn't hear anything you said. Tim said that he really appreciated how you guys had us back there. Just what does that say about you guys as a team? Man, I'm sure any other team would have reacted the same way. Like I said, a comment like that is just unacceptable. It's something that should not be allowed. Um, so I'm sure uh, not only us, but anybody else would have would have reacted in the same way. Maybe even worse. He's not the only one that showed up as an ally. Liam Hendricks told you, don't fall for the banana in the tailpipe. I asked Angle what happened, and he repeated what was said. Um, yeah, yeah, that's completely inappropriate. And then after hearing what was said after the game. Uh, usually you have inside jokes with people you get along with, not people that don't get along at all. And so that uh, that statement right there was complete But then again, my feelings towards the individual in question are pretty well documented in the fact that we don't get along. And the fact that I have now spoken to, I think it's four separate clubhouses that he's been into, and as a whole, none of them have gotten along. So... Yeah, him trying to pull that, trying to whip out that narrative is completely not. And disappointing, you know. Yeah, obviously you on, like us in this clubhouse, we have TA's back and everything. And that was just a completely unacceptable thing. And then trying to whip it out as being an inside joke. No, that's They're not, they don't have those sorts of things going along. That's like getting into an argument, like having an inside joke with a guy who you are nemesis with like per se I guess you could say but yeah that's that's that ain't it that's not that's not how it went down in this clubhouse and I don't understand how he he ever thought about it like that it's just straight delusional talk your bleat Liam Hendricks appreciate you standing and telling the truth about this Yaz appreciate you standing with him appreciate Gavin Sheets and Jose Abreu and everyone else that supported Tim Anderson and every White Sox fan that did it too Back after this on the score. If your day sounds like we need the report ASAP, you deserve Medella. If you've persevered through, you deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score. And 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Station. It's pretty simple going forward. When you hear people in discourse about this particular subject over the next 24 to 48 to 72 hours, if there are people that are trying to find, to do mental gymnastics to try and make Josh Donaldson out to be a good guy who's just trying to get in people's heads, check those people's opinions on other things that matter. You'll find a thread on how they think that should inform your opinion of those people's opinions. I'll talk with Parkinson Spiegel next here on The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.